Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Drill to Detail, and I'm your host, Mark Rittman. So my guest this week is someone many of you will know from his blog on analytics and for speaking at events around the world. Um, and um, he's actually SAP's innovation evangelist, Timo Elliott. So Timo, do you want to just introduce yourself properly and um, let us know kind of like how you got here, really? Thank you very much. I'd love to. And uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. And uh, thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to come on the show. Uh, so my name is Timo Elliott. I'm an innovation evangelist for SAP. My background is uh, I'm English. I'm from the uh, tropical part of the UK down there on the sunny south coast. Um, I grew up near the beach. Uh, think California with a bit more rain. And then went to uh, Bristol University to study econometrics. And after I finished my studies, uh, did my own personal Brexit Worked in Asia for a while, a year in New Zealand wow. for Shell, and then um, decided to be a good European. Uh, came to <laughs> France, did seven years in France, then transferred five years in Silicon Valley, and now I've been back in France for another ooh, 10 years or so. Wow, wow. And so, Timo, I'm, I got to know you first through kind of business objects and the work you were doing there. So, so what, what was your role there? And what, how did, again, how did you get involved in that when, uh, before? So I was uh, lucky enough to be the eighth employee of a small French startup 26 years ago uh, called Business Objects, obviously one of the pioneers of business intelligence. I, I, fit, I was hired because I fit the primary criteria, which is I was cheap <laughs> and I knew something about computers. So um, my job was uh, I did a lot of things over the years, but uh, helping write the first English language manuals. Um, creating the icons for the first uh, Windows version of the product. I ran competitive from se for several years. And uh, slowly over the years, I became more and more of an evangelist, spending a lot of my time uh, trying to explain the technology and finding out what our customers were doing on the leading edge of analytics, taking that information and then sharing it with other people trying to do the same things. And then uh, Business Objects was acquired in 2007. And so I have come over to SAP where I'm doing essentially the same thing, but now on a broader stretch of technology. My heart is obviously still in analytics and big data and now artificial intelligence, but I also do uh, innovation evangelism around Internet of Things, uh, cloud and, and other themes that SAP relates to as a whole. Wow. So, I mean, Business Objects is a, is a company and, a, and I suppose a product that a lot of people these days working in, say, big data and cloud and all that probably wouldn't have heard of, but it was massively innovative, wasn't it, at the time with the kind of the idea of the semantic model and, and so on. I mean, that, that, that set the scene for a lot of the kind of things, I suppose, we've, we take for granted in BI now analytics and you've talked about. Well, we're, we're truly, we absolutely were created with the the notion that end users should be able to access their information themselves without IT. Remember, at, this, at that time, the principal competition were products like Oracle Browser, uh, which was sort of drag and drop SQL. In fact, SQL itself was sold as an end user tool at the time because it was English language like, you know, select star from customers. Um, but uh, we worked with an independent developer, came out with this notion of a semantic layer, a way of translating business terms into the SQL you needed to get the data out of the database. 
And um, we saw explosive growth for many, many years. And <laughs> we've been around a long time, but I have to point out, we're still absolutely the market leader in business intelligence and analytics by a long, long margin. Um, despite Gartner having redefined the magic quadrant, focusing on what they call modern BI or self-service BI, uh, if you look at the market numbers overall, uh, SAP Business Objects is still the by far the number one. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's interesting. I, I, I wrote a blog post recently on uh, on Looker and Looker it, their innovation uh, in this kind of new market is to add a semantic model to, uh, to to BI. And for a lot of people, this is a new it's, it's actually a new concept. But it was it was so revolutionary, wasn't it? And um, it, it, you know, every, I suppose there were companies after that that kind of copied the idea. I think there were lawsuits and so on. But that was fundamentally that idea that we could take sort of data and make it more understandable to business users and present it in a way that allowed them to kind of make decisions in that way. I mean, it's such a central part, isn't it? But it is, I guess it's, it's it, the importance seems to have been less significant to people now. I don't, I, what do you think? Well, the, the big difference now is obviously there was two big differences. One mm. is the technology has come a long, long way mm. it, it, because of, uh, things like in memory, uh, you can actually interact with the data in very different ways than you could 20 years ago. But the fundamental business need hasn't changed at all. What people are trying to do is very much the same. I laugh at some of the marketing that I see because it's almost like they assumed that we weren't trying to get people uh, to access data. Of course we were. It's just the technology limitations at the start at the, at the time made it particularly difficult. Now it's much easier. The other big change is that uh, before there really was only corporate data. If it wasn't in the corporate database, it really wasn't that important. What happened happened now is there is an explosion of data. And in fact, there's a slight majority of the data that business people use now comes from outside the corporate systems. So it's social data or third party data that they want to combine with the corporate data. That in turn has helped lead to the, uh, the new explosion of this need for self-service, not self-service in the old sense, which was helping people inside the company access company data autonomously. Now it's accessing inside and outside the organization. Um, and that has meant some big culture changes necessary. And not all organizations have yet uh, coped with that change. No, exactly. So so we'll get on to that topic as we go on, actually. That's kind of interesting. And but so so SAP, when they bought business objects, what were they what were they looking for really? And what did, what they've done with business objects since then? And and where where's that where's SAP kind of business intelligence now at a high level before we get into some of the details later on? So SAP has uh, for a long time sold data warehousing as an integral part of their business applications mm. with a BW business warehouse. Um, but it was really focused on that very centralized, trusted information, notably finance, mm. where it was all about gathering the information, make sure that it was all uh, trusted and calculated correctly. Very, you know, sort of very German. You know, it's the yes. right data yes. you can trust this yes and then um and bw is, is a fantastic data warehouse mm. it's it's you know it can be a little bit slow to update but in terms mm. of the power of what you can do in multiple currencies and creating hierarchies mm. there's still nothing uh, equivalent on the market but the front end the front end tools were really focused on those financial users they actually mm. liked uh, tools like uh, business explorer bex but the average person who just wanted a little bit of data to do their jobs 
didn't really like the Bex interfaces, and uh, those that profile of users was becoming more and more important. Hmm. So SAP invested, I think, it was around seven billion dollars in acquiring uh, business objects to help in that market. Hmm. And that was a revolutionary thing at the time. I remember, I remember that consolidation that happened around that time was was, was kind of very interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, we good to talk a little bit about what SAP are doing later on in the, in the conversation in terms of HANA and that sort of thing. And, and I guess where Business Objects is now within that. But one of the things I want to go through, first of all, was um, you've written some superb blog posts in the last kind of few years, and uh, as well as the cartoons as well, actually. I always think they're quite good. Um, <clears throat> and there's one in there that I was couple in there, actually, I thought would be worth talking about in this uh, episode, because I thought they kind of got to the heart, really, I suppose, of what it is that you do and you're famous for, um, and I suppose the drivers of analytics and the value from it and benefits from it for customers. And there's one that to start off with, a blog post you wrote called Analytics is the Most Important Business, business Process in your organization. So do you want to just kind of recap what that is a little bit at the start, really, and we can talk about kind of some of the things in there. So this was, it's a blog post that was prompted, as most of my blog posts are, by my conversations with people using analytics tools. So our customers, or I, I, I'm very lucky, I get to go to around 40 conferences a year talking about technology and analytics. So I get to talk to people implementing the projects and, and find out where they are, what they care about. Um, and one of the things that I noticed is that analytics is changing in two very different ways. So the first is there's the core traditional home of analytics, which is about self-service access to information. And the big trend there, obviously, is, is modern BI, making it easier and more interactive to get data. But there's an entire other side to analytics that the more traditional analytics people don't always take account of. And so I start seeing cultural problems inside organizations. So this is the whole notion of digital transformation, where people are trying to change the way they do business, create new products and services, engage their customers in new ways with Internet of Things, uh, cloud, mobile, and so on. But the heart of those new business models really is data and analytics. It's in many ways, it's the same types of technology, but it's used in a very different way. Instead of only thinking about analytics as something you do after you've actually run your business, you know, I'm running my business and I'm going to analyze it and try and improve it. That's never going to go away. That's always going to be important. But now analytics really fundamentally is inside the business model itself. When you as a customer choose to go to a particular supplier information applied at particular touch points is now part of your product experience. So analytics is going out of the back office and becoming part of that front office experience. It's going away from sort of cutting costs and finding out future opportunities and really being an operational uh, growth engine right now. And what I find is that as I talk to organizations, there's entirely different teams that are using technologies to do that aspect of it. Often they don't even work for IT organization. They report up to, uh, to business units. They're trying to find new ways of gauging the customers. Now they're doing an awful lot of analytics. And in some cases, they're sort of reinventing the wheel and creating new platforms, running into all the same problems that we've already seen on the analytics side. And so... Uh, if anybody is out there, I urge them to go and find out who's doing that inside their organization because um, 
I do find there's a, a lot of gaps between the two. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a similar topic we, we talked about with uh, Paul Sonderweger from Oracle back at the start of the kind of show back in last year uh, with the idea of data capital that you would have, you know, there are companies now that drive everything they do from, from, from intelligence and the data you gather is a form of capital as well. And the gist of it really was that, I guess as kind of business is changing and as we're going into the internet and, and kind of so on, that there are a whole new breed of businesses coming out there that are based on data and analytics. I guess the question to you is, is it possible for, for a traditional company to reinvent itself to do this? Or is it new companies and new organizations that are, that are taking this approach you're saying? Uh, no, so absolutely. Every company that I talk to, including massive companies, are absolutely investing in these new approaches to using data on the front end. They're very aware of uh, what needs to be done. There isn't a big organization that I talk to that doesn't have some kind of uh, digital team to, to try and figure out what they could do differently. And actually at SAP, we've been working with all of our customers using uh, methodologies like um, uh, design thinking, where it's a methodology where you bring in the IT people, some customer facing people, some finance people, and you sit down and try and rethink your product and service from the customer point of view. It's basically a, a structured form of brainstorming but with um, that allows you to get to very concrete prototypes and things to test out. Um, and again, analytics and data is always very central to those uh, to that new style of thinking. But they don't always invite the uh, traditional analytics teams. And at the same time, the analytics teams are sitting there. Some of them are doing things the same old way. Mm. Gartner quips that they are mm. bionosaurs. That they, <laughs> Brilliant. You know, the, the comet is streaking through the sky and they haven't quite realized that they might be obsolete. Um, so, and again, actually, it's, and you see, it's actually related to technology in some ways because you see these new teams uh, rushing to try to do things with, say, Hadoop or Spark. And again, sometimes those teams are run by very different people that are running the traditional data warehouse. And yet there's huge overlaps in what they're trying to do. Yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? I think that you, you have this danger, I suppose, of, 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 I suppose, the innovators in organizations doing it without IT, without kind of the analytics team and so on, and, and it going off kind of um, slightly wrong. But you've also got the issue, I suppose, with IT that struggles sometimes, isn't it, to kind of get business cases for this and does struggle in a way to kind of, you know, I think IT is very good at coming up with a kind of a, of a with a kind of platform and an architecture. But do you find in reality that it's more the business that comes up with those, or can, can how can IT, I suppose, in a way participate in that and help really? <laughs> well, for the last twenty six years, yeah. I've been urging uh, analytics people to get closer to the business to really mm. understand the business issue. All too often, often, unfortunately, I go and talk to an analytics team and I mm. say, "So, what are people? What are you doing with uh, analytics internally?" Mm. They'll say, oh, well, they're doing sales analysis. It's like, oh, great. Okay, so, you know, what benefit have they got out of that? What what are they doing with it? And the answer is sales analysis. <laughs> yeah. um, they don't really know because they, they don't feel like it's their job to know. And yet I feel it, that it's incredibly important. If you don't know what people are doing with the data, that you're in no position to help them take things to the next level. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, so so I mean, you you talked in in that blog post. You talked about there's a quote there. I, I made note of actually that I thought was quite good. You said, but organisations are increasingly reason that re- realizing that digital transformation doesn't just require new processes. It requires a new approach to creating and implementing business processes. And you talked about creating on the fly by analytics and so on. But what does that practically mean? I mean, that that sounds a bit of a kind of truism, and and, and certainly we'd like to do that. So in your experience with the tools you've got and the techniques you use, how does that actually kind of come to come to fruition then? So this is the the big change between the old style of applications and the newer style applications. So older style applications are fairly linear or they're, you know, they're, they're defined points where you might branch off, but you can really sit down and draw the end-to-end chain. A good example is typically how people have thought about customer interactions. You know, there's this notion of a sales funnel or a pipeline and customers would, you know, you'd, you'd get some interest from customers then you'd engage them and then they might do some sort of trial and then purchase. And, you know, it was nice and linear and people would try to measure that linear process. But the reality is that these days, um, customers get to choose their own adventure, if you like. Remember those books when you were a kid where you say, if you're on page two, you could choose whether you want to go into the scary cave or go into the wood, and that at each step, you would actually determine your own path. So that's what customers do now when they engage with any vendor. Uh, They can go to the website, they can go to the store, and companies have to cope with all of those different touch points. The actual customer journey is going to be completely Personalized is going to be different for every person. What companies have to do is manage all of those different processes um, as optimally as possible, and really the analytics at each point. So as you go to the website, you've got analytics, predictive analytics going there right now. What kind of uh, ad should I show? What are the products I should be showing to this customer to make them interested? Uh, after they've purchased, what can I do to help them recommend my product to other people? So at every touch point, you're really applying analytics in real time. And it's not just customer interactions. You could say the same thing for uh, logistics or any many other traditional business processes. So, I mean, one of the, things, one of the trends that I'm spotting and is that I suppose, in, I suppose when we first started doing this, analytics and BI was typically a standalone tool a standalone process a context switch and so on and we're increasingly seeing these kind of things being embedded into business processes and the applications and so on to the point where you can imagine in the end what the, i suppose the end goal of this is that analytics is not something that you go and do it's just part of the process really are you finding that's happening really or is that more just kind of just uh, wishful thinking again this is a great example of the gap between the business need and what we've been able to do with the technology because the business need has always been for an application. I I just want to do my job (laughs) and workflow. So as part of my job, I need some information. There's a decision as part of that. Um, It's always been, ideally, it would just pop up as part of the workflow. The problem has always been that we haven't been, we weren't able to connect the operational processes with the analytic processes because the technology was very different. You know, you, you had to have an ERP for your operational stuff. And if you tried doing an, an, too much analytics as part of that, then it would just bog the whole system down. So you had to take the data out and do data warehousing and so on. But that's always been an artifact. That's never been something driven by the business. It's always been something that we, we would have liked to have done in a very integrated way if we could have done. Now, with new technologies like in-memory um, or massively parallel big data, Hadoop and Spark, you can do that. Um, 
you still need data warehousing, but it's not the separate environment from a platform point of view as it used to be. So um, SAP, obviously, we have our SAP HANA product. It was designed from scratch to combine OLTP with OLAP, operational with analytics, so that you can have that sort of live business process uh, with the analytics happening at the same time as the operational steps. So analytics will never go away. But today, a lot of people whose job isn't analysis have to do analytics when, in theory, they could uh, they could just do it as part of a workflow. Again, the reality is that there are so many different types of jobs and things that people are trying to do that you'll never have sort of cookie cutter prepared business applications for every type of use. Uh, but the vast majority of people probably do just want a quote unquote interactive report or a dashboard mm. rather than sitting down and, and analyzing the data themselves from scratch. So you, you, in your job title, it's kind of innovation analyst, uh, innovation evangelist, sorry. And, uh, and you mentioned about IoT and, and cloud and so on. Are you finding, are you seeing any examples yet of using things like Internet of Things, things like data lakes and so on in, in a kind of concrete way to, to, to push forward analytics in companies and drive value? Is, that, is it happening now from, from what you can see? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Many, many examples. If, in fact, there isn't a there isn't a company that isn't doing something in this space. It's it's biggest in industry. I mean, they've had connected machines gathering data for decades now. But um, this ability to do that more with that data faster means that you can do things like uh, predictive analytics. Uh, we worked with a, a telecom, uh, Trenitalia, for example, to make sure that their trains don't break down in the middle of the the Tuscany uh, countryside, stranding hundreds of people. So now there's an alert, you know, your wheel bearing is, is about to overheat so that they can pull into a station in Bologna, Bologna and uh, get people onto a new train, uh, go and fix the train while uh, improving their customer service. So I mean, this is one of many, many examples. And in fact, when it comes to our Internet of Things in particular, there's, there's two things that I like about it. Is one is it's revealing formerly hidden processes. So a lot of what was going on in, in life or in companies was uh, not just not being recorded. So you couldn't see it. Because of the increase of cheap sensors, you can now actually see what's going on. So you can track it and optimize it. Um, my favorite example there is um, I used to read uh, books on paper, believe it or not. <laughs> now I have uh, Amazon Kindle and the Amazon actually keeps track of your reading process, so they can tell you, you know, how many minutes you have left in the chapter or the book. But so they're actually recording something that was previously invisible, and they can then use that data to start making recommendations about other books. Uh, they, potentially, they could even go back to authors and saying, "Look, sorry about this, but everybody's giving up on page 200. <laughs> you know, next time, <laughs> maybe you need to write your plot differently." Um, but that same kind of concept is being applied to everything else. The other aspect that's interesting is that the Internet of Things uh, means that you can sell metered services. Instead of selling products, you can sell things on a subscription basis. And there's been an explosion of that. 
Mm, exactly. So <clears throat> another post you wrote recently, which I think was very topical and timely, was when uh, the Gartner kind of conference happened. And you, I think you posted something, the vast majority of analytics is still reporting, and that's not so bad. And I thought that was really good, because there is so much, um, I suppose, publicity and thought around things like data discovery and, and visual analysis and so on. But the bulk of things you see, the bulk of things people want are relatively simple and simple kind of like, I suppose, um, you know, uh, discovery analytics and so on. I mean, what, again, what was the driver for that? And what was the kind of thinking behind behind that post, really? Well, I think it's interesting because I always get slightly annoyed at the standard mm. business uh, BI maturity models that you see that yeah. has, you know, old, boring reporting in the lower left and then um, sort of um, uh, prescriptive, uh, predictive, yes. and what to call the, guard, to call the last one again. I don't know. I forgot. If, yeah, I know what you mean, though. It, it's, it's very kind of, uh, the, the implication is this stuff, there's no value to it. But but for most people, they just want to see some numbers on the screen and they want to understand, you know, what it means and so on, really. Well, plus, there's also, there's a, there's much more secular uh, that, than you realize when you look at that model. Because the reality is that you have basic reports that tell you things. But then over time, the analytics gets more sophisticated, um, typically through more self-service, traditional BI. But then people go, oh, well, now that we know how to do that, let's pre-calculate it and put it in the report or in the dashboard. You see what I mean? So the first iteration of the report might just show, you know, here's what you've sold. Um, the next iteration of the report where I might say, oh, but now I'm going to rank it by here are the areas that you should look at in order to optimize sales. Um, it, but it's still a quote unquote report, but the level of analytics in it is a huge leap ahead. So there's this constant cycle of we provide uh, sort of semi-interactive interfaces for business people. Um, they learn how to use that. They then go to the next level of sophistication, typically by using more interactive analytics. But then once we've mastered that, it goes back into the pre-prepared dashboard or report. So we're constantly improving the level of analytics that we do. So, so reporting is never going to go away. I, I, it's the ideal, as uh, Don McCormick has pointed out several times, that the weather report is a fantastic example. There is an immense amount of big data sophistication that goes into creating those weather models. They have some of the biggest supercomputers in the world. But the end result is a little sunshine symbol or a little rain symbol. And that's mm. all we need. Exactly, um, exactly. Just because I mean, it's reporting doesn't mean it's not sophisticated. No, I mean, the way I think of it typically is, it, you know, it's the classic maturity curve or it's the classic sort of series of sort of steps on a ladder, really. And I guess part of the problem is that in most organisations, there still is a kind of a real lack of the basic fundamental understandings of analytics and, and the different things you can do with it and how they build on there. And uh, to my, you know, to my mind, having basic reporting against against what you've done in the past, understanding it to get to get a um, a kind of a solid picture of where you are is important. But then looking forward, I mean, we, we I think there are things, I guess the probably problem with, with, with that kind of reporting and where it sort of falls down is is in um, how do we then make decisions off of that and how do we kind of automate and speed that up as well? And something that I, I mean, we've got, I think very soon on the show, we've got uh, Beyond Core coming on, Algit from Beyond Core, talking about uh, the work they're doing around um, trying to, in his words, kind of like close that comprehension gap with 
I suppose in a way taking the kind of reports you get in a tool like business objects or oracle tools but automating the way it's presented to people and surfacing kind of insights and, and decision points off of that is that something you've looked at at all or had some thoughts about yeah absolutely again mm. i think that people don't realize just how far we've come because this notion of taking analytics and then automating it ha- has happened time and time again it's just that when we do it as soon as we becomes automated we don't think of it as analytics anymore. Um, so at some point, somebody used to choose, I don't know, airline prices, right? The price per seat. Um, then an al- you know, it's, it became automated and start, something else started doing it. Now it's probably some sort of uh, machine learning that's trying to do it automatically. Uh, so the cycle has always been happening. It's just the instant it's automated, we don't care about it so much anymore. So there's nothing fundamentally new in the cycle. What is new, of course, is that artificial intelligence looks like it can bring us a huge step forward in what we can automate. Um, but the fundamental trend is uh, has been there for a long, long time. People just want it directly in the application. If they can do it without having to think about it, that's ideal. That's great. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I mean, it's interesting that I think there's typically there's a lower understanding of analytics than you'd expect in, in organizations. I think there's a kind of, a, not an education thing there, but I think it's about the, the kind of the stepping stones and building blocks and so on. But do you find, I guess, with the change in the way budgets are held now in BI and the fact that kind of business people now control a lot more of it, that's had lots of good things happen because of it. Um, but but do you feel that things like the the value of semantic models and data quality and so on is 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 being less appreciated now? So I think there's a there's a whole bunch of things that are going on that are making analytics more important than ever. I mean, it's been the number one in uh, technology for about twenty years, off and on. There's a couple of years it wasn't, but it's it's now even bigger than ever. Uh, and partly, I think there's a whole lot of things behind that. One of them is a generation change. I think today's CIOs and CEOs, we're now starting to see the first real generation that grew up with a PC at home when they were kids. So that, that took information, some sort of information access for granted from their earliest childhood. Um, and that, I think, is making a difference to how people run companies. Um Second, there is just a vast amount of data now available. Before, you might have wanted to do analytics, but you just couldn't get hold of the data. Now you can. The problem of bringing that data together and governing it and making sure that it's trusted, that is just as hard as it's ever been. In fact, probably harder. There is maybe a scope for artificial intelligence to help there but it's still 90 to 95% of the effort of any analytics project is getting the data together in the first place to start doing the rest. And that's really hard. I mean, the <clears throat> data governance, data provenance, you know, data quality, they're all th- topics that are hard. And I think that one of the kind of the criticisms, I think, really of, I suppose, uh, moving to kind of self-service tools and that sort of thing is that these things tend to get pushed to one side. And I think particularly within the big data world as well, it's got a massive kind of buy so far from the from that kind of thing because it, it, it has how to deal with that it's um but you wrote a good you wrote a good blog post at the end of the year which was i think a few people passed around which is your predictions a cynics guide to bi in 2017 and i thought it was really good and you talked there about kind of you mentioned uh, timo's first law of bi as your first one what's that then just tell us that and, and the thinking behind that bit so, so the first law of bi is that executives will always be dissatisfied with their bi systems so just realize that. Why? It's because you imagine you're an executive. Your job is essentially making decisions. Um, 
as your BI system becomes more sophisticated, gives you just the data you need to make decisions, uh, it becomes automatic. You're not going to sit there and go, okay, great. I don't need to work it now anymore. What happens is that businesses move on to the next level of sophistication. Uh, think about supply chains, right? That there was no earthly way we could manage today's supply chains except through the, the, the very complex systems that we have now. Computers enabled that and analytics helped determine what we make where. Um, so it's this constant walking up the down escalator. You have to keep running just to stay still. And um, it actually has some interesting impacts on culture because you've probably seen that uh, satisfaction with BI or success of BI has stayed static roughly for the last five, 10 years, depending on, you know, so Cindy Housen does regular measures. Um, uh, Howard uh, Dresner also does some regular numbers. Now, it's always, it's always surprised me really, because what are they measuring? They're actually asking people, was your project successful? We know that the vast majority of projects didn't really have any criteria set in advance to determine whether they would be successful or not. So, so it's really just this aggregation of subjective views by people who weren't really getting the business benefits. So at one level, it's a really bad example of how not to use analytics. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you mentioned, I mean, I want to get onto the future stuff in a second, but you right. mentioned about BICCs as well. And um, uh, you know, business intelligence competency centers. I, I guess there's lots of ways we can describe, you know, I suppose in a way, a business trying to come bring these things together. But to your mind, what's the what what's a good example really of organisations, you know, organising way they do analytics, you know, internally to get the best benefit out of that? You mentioned things you've done with SAP, but what what's good examples you see out of there at the moment? Well, the the best the best ones do less. <laughs> Interesting enough. So the the Traditional old school uh, BI competency centers are the ones that create the reports or the, the dashboards and you, you file in a request for a something and they prioritize it with a council and then they, they go and build it. Um, that is exactly the kind of uh, old style business intelligence that people have rebelled against because it just isn't enough. The modern world requires lots and lots of interactive uh, types of analytics. Again, going back to digital transformation, a lot of what people are trying to do, uh, engage with customers in new ways, that's, that's an experiment. They need to be able to adapt it really fast. They need to say, oh, that didn't work. I now need to change what information I'm giving to the customers. And that's just a very different cycle than traditional IT projects. You know, it's very far from ERP, you know, we're going to put in a supply chain system and then upgrade it every five years. Uh, analytics has to be really interactive, even more so now that it's part of the product interface. Um, and so the older style BI competency centers didn't really react fast enough. The right way to do it is for the group to be more of what Gartner calls um, analytic center of competence, or I kind of like BI um, a community of uh, competence where the, the BI Competency Center experts concentrate on best practice. They don't fly the planes. They concentrate on training the pilots, running the airport, and manning air, contra air traffic control. So they ensure that people have the skills to for the rest of the organization to get the throughput they need. 
Interesting. So, so let's look forward to you know what I guess what's coming in the future and and also what SAP are doing in this area. So, first of all, just just set out for us for people that that new business objects and they know Hannah, for example. What does the kind of the SAP product line lineup look like at the moment in BI and what what's coming along down the line really that could be interesting for people in the future? Okay, so the, we have. Uh traditional sort of business intelligence that has been steadily gotten better over the years. So web intelligence is still a fantastic product, uh, still one of the top products sold in the market. It's great for interactive reporting. In many ways, it's like the uh, the Swiss army knife of business intelligence. It's, it's robust. You can do just about anything you want to do with it. And we continue investing in that platform. Uh, every version gets more and more interactive, uh, more powerful. Um, and we int- fully intend to keep with that. As we said, reporting is going on. It's not represented so much in the latest what Gartner calls the BI magic quadrant, but it's still absolutely a huge company need. And actually, when you when you go to the seminars where they talk about modern BI, they always run this question saying, oh, that old stuff, uh, are you still going to invest in that? And every time the survey comes back saying, oh, yes, we, we're going to roll that out to more users and more, more content. And they always act a bit surprised. <laughs> they shouldn't do because information is more important than ever. So it, it Traditional reporting, interactive reporting, absolutely still very important. We've got some great products there. Then we've invested heavily in the newer um, uh, modern BI self-service. So that's uh, SAP Lumira. We've got Lumira 2.0 coming out in a couple of months. And the big step we've taken there is that we're actually combining the self-service aspects of data. You can grab data from multiple sources, mash it together, correct data problems, create visualizations and share them. But we've now done it so that it's also tightly linked to a designer environment because we've realized that people, that there's a, there's a BI life cycle that typically isn't taken account of. It's a bit like driving a car um, there's first gear, which is maybe Excel. <laughs> Second gear is a self-service tool like Lumira. Third gear might be sort of uh, some sort of dashboard or traditional reporting. Way up to fifth gear, which is where that information is fundamentally part of your data warehouse and your, your operational environment. The problem up until now is that it's a car without a clutch. Every time you want to change gear, there's a horrible grinding sound because to move from Excel to the um, the data mart or to the self-service tool is a bit of a uh, and then if you want to make part of that corporate environment it's another uh, um, so we want to make it easier so for the mirror if you you can take something and if it proves useful you can then easily extend it and turn it into a full analytics application notably you can add buttons to actually take actions so rather than having to, you know, oh, there's your analysis thing. Oh, now I have to go back to this other system to do something. You can actually just add actions in that make sense based on the analysis you've just done. Um, We're investing heavily in Business Objects Cloud. So we've actually taken the opportunity to rethink BI because there's all these different engines. You know, you've got um, reporting, uh, visualization, budgeting and planning, predictive. You can buy those tools separately right now and install them inside your organization, but that's a lot of work. Because of the cloud, we can just provide those engines in the cloud and we've rethought the user interface so that you just go into the cloud and you get seamlessly uh, reporting and predictive or budgeting and reporting and predictive just end to end in a very new way. And then we've put our um, 
digital boardroom on top of that. And that's really the, you know, the three screens that allow you to get the high level view of your business, the top KPIs, and drill all the way down to the the smallest operational metric. Um, the sort of thing that executives have dreamed about for at least 50 years is now becoming a uh, reality. Okay, brilliant. Well, so AI then, where, I mean, predictive analytics, AI and so on, you talked about it earlier on. Where, where I guess, where is SAP taking this and where do you think AI with kind of analytics will, will take us in the future? All right, so quick definitions because otherwise people get confused as heck. So uh, this is the way I'm going to use the terms. If you disagree with them, I don't care. <laughs> uh, AI is a socio-technical construct. In other words, it's like the marketing term. It's, it's used generally to mean uh, things that computers can do now that were typically re restricted to humans in the past. Then machine learning is the word we use for any type of algorithm that learns, that improves itself based on the training data. That includes traditional statistical approaches. So we've been selling... Um, machine learning with traditional statistics for, for a long, long time with uh, the acquisition of KXN many years ago and applying that to uh, fraud, to predictive maintenance, to next best action and consumers. So that, that's been going on for a while. It's exploding because a lot more data is available. And then the exciting part is um, the newer forms of machine learning, including things like deep learning, where you're using more of a neural network approach for things like uh, image recognition, natural language processing, and so on. Uh, so that's the technology. But the bottom line is this allows us to rethink a huge amount of business technology from scratch, really. Almost every business application is about asking, answering a series of questions, whether it's supply chain or HR. And we can now, if we take AI for granted and we know that this exists, we can start really rethinking the workflows in a huge number of areas. So um, we're using it pretty much everywhere we can, uh, everywhere from natural language interfaces. Uh, so we have SAP Copilot um, so that you can use a chatbot approach to your corporate applications. So, you know, Siri, book me a week of vacation. Uh, Siri, can you print me uh, my latest uh, job slip? Or Siri, what budget do I have left? It won't be Siri, it'll be Copilot. But you get the approaches. You know, the, the same things we're seeing in the consumer world, why not use it to make uh, using enterprise software that much easier? But the really big opportunity is uh, automating complex decisions. So automating some of knowledge work, the most boring, repetitive parts of knowledge workers' jobs we can replace with AI. So we've, um, we're in the process of launching SAP CLEA, C-L-E-A, and that is a series of applications uh, devoted to particular areas where we know that we can help companies uh, save a lot of money while improving customer service. So things like, um, you know, matching invoices to uh, payments. Right. It, it's just the sort of it, if it if it all matches perfectly today, it's great. It do, it's done automatically. But if there's a slight discrepancy, the payment comes in doesn't quite match the invoices. Then there's some poor person in a typically in a shared service center somewhere like Prague, whose job it is to wade through all of those different documents and receipts and trying to figure out what's going on. It's a great example of where we have a huge, a high quality uh, training data set and a very specific 
decision to be made uh, that fits in very nicely in a business process. And so it's, it's really a no-brainer to start providing that kind of application. We're also doing it for HR to help people sh- uh, shortlist resumes for customer service, um, using the data from the customer service request to automatically send it to the right place in the organization to get the quickest response, uh, and many, many other areas. And what I find particularly about interesting about this is that it's about analytics, but it's one of the areas where the mega vendors who um, you know, sometimes are accused of not being innovative, this is an area where we actually have a huge advantage because AI is, is not about the technology so much as it is about having the data. And for most organizations, there's no better, higher quality training data set available than in their business applications like SAP. So this brings, you know, we have a this huge advantage when it comes to automating any kind of analytics decision within a business because we have the training data and we can actually apply it directly into a business process. Matt, it's been great speaking to you. And it's, it's nice to speak to someone that you've read the articles about for so many years and, and, and you've got such a good insight into this whole kind of industry and, and so on, really. So, so Timo, thank you very much. Where, where, where can people see you next? I mean, you mentioned the, the website there. Are you speaking at any events in the near future? Um, yes, I can. <laughs> 40 events a year. So. Yes. What's the, uh, what's, the near, what's the next one to talk about, really? Gosh, let's, uh, I'll be in... Um, where am I going? I'm going to Austria next week for an SAP forum. And then nice. uh, we have the a big SAP conference, um, Sapphire Now, where we have, I don't know, something like 20,000 people descending on uh, Orlando. I'll be talking there about uh, the big trends in BI and analytics uh, transformation. Fantastic. So love to hear from you there. And honestly, the blog post is where I put everything yeah. that I'm interested in. And uh, I'd love to hear to anybody who's interested in the same things that I am. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you, Timo. Thank you very much. And uh, have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you.